a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the FlyRacing.com RacerX uh, race recap from Atlanta, Georgia, Hotlanta. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. FlyRacing.com. Get all your needs, whether it's uh, gear, whether it's uh, hard parts, whether it's snowmobile stuff, mountain bike stuff from FlyRacing.com. Same gear that Blake Baggett wears to get a third in Atlanta. He wears FlyRacing.com. The Seven Deuce Deuce. He wears FlyRacing. Everybody loves him. So uh, please check it out. FlyRacing.com, the official gear of this podcast. And uh, I'm Steve Mathis. With me to talk about Atlanta and all that happened there. Good and bad, and the ugly. First up, he's a two-time German Supercross champion, two-time Montreal Supercross winner. He works at flyracing.com. He's Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Not too much. Just uh, a long flight back from Atlanta today. So, um, yeah, I guess we got a few of those coming up now, the Ricos. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um uh, Also on the line, the voice of American Motocross, the voice of GNCC, the voice of Flat Track now. The Jason Wygant. Yeah. Flat track gig. It's coming together. It's coming together. It's going to be good. I, uh, I I didn't even realize, actually, this is all connected. It's actually run by uh, AMA Pro Racing, which is actually Daytona Motorsports Group, which I don't think anyone can understand how complicated all these situations of sanctioning bodies in this sport is. But uh, that's actually running that program. Who knew? Who's going to be your color guy? Yeah, who knows? What, who if, knows? what if it's Springer? What if it's Jay? Could, could be Springer. Yeah, could be Springer. I don't know. I mean, uh, there's a lot of legends in that sport that probably been dying for a chance to do this. And, Dude, uh, Springer. It's going to be a little weird. Normally, it's like I'm telling Jim Holly or Grant Langston or David Bailey something about their career that I remember some minor moment. But here, I'm just going to be like, oh, I got nothing. I uh, Jerry? What's that, JT? Jerry, what, Jerry Springer? Yeah, Jerry Springer. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jerry yeah, Springer. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. going to show every race will end with his final thought. Uh, <laughs> with the, that would the, be awesome. With the bald bodyguard throwing a chair. Hey, he was very philosophical at the end of those shows. Like, he would just let, it would be pandemonium for an hour, and then, like, 30 seconds of great wisdom and insight. Yeah. He, you know yeah. he was the mayor like of Cincinnati, right? You know he was the he mayor, was. right? He was, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be great. I remember I, the first time I went to a dirt track, the Daytona dirt track race. That's the Friday before the Daytona Supercross. I go there and I'm like, can't wait to see all these guys. And there's Jay Springsteen, looking rather weathered, sitting in a lawn chair smoking. And I'm like, that's Jay Springsteen. Like that's the Springer. That's the guy. And he is. It's a local. I 
I expected, you know, I don't know. I just expected him to be, he's just sitting in a lawn chair smoking a cig. I'm like, wow, okay. I mean, like he's, Pete Rose in Vegas now. He's a legend, you know, but. Um, all right, let's go Atlanta Supercross. Let's uh, let's talk about it. Well, another week and another kind of poopy track. I think a sand wall that every all the riders tore into in the press conference, and uh, not much passing. Not very not very imaginative. Whoops, weren't there much. Uh, I don't know. JT, these guys are on a slump right now. Dirtworks is is slumping. Yeah, you know, I think, and I, I'm speculating, but it seems like they filled the tracks, and they they have some really good ones early in their design process, and then it seems like they do them all, and I don't, I don't want to say in a hurry, that's not the right phrase I'm looking for, but they do them all at the same time, and I feel like their imagination starts to run short, and because if you look at the tracks over the past few weekends, there's been a lot of similarities, you know, the... The Arlington Dragonback section was a copy of Oakland. Um, the triples at the end of the, the stadium were, you know, uh, both Arlington and Minneapolis were exactly the same. A lot of the same rhythm sections, uh, which is unfortunate because I think those guys are capable of coming up with really, really creative stuff. I just feel like they kind of do it all at the same time. And, and I, I spread that out over a summer. They could come back with fresh ideas and, and make better tracks. But it just seems like we're we're running into the same things week in, week out right now at this point in the series. This track was so start-dependent. Look, they all are. That's the sport. Our sport, your whole entire uh, week of effort is is ruined or, 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 or paying off five feet outside of the gate. So it's always been like that. But, oh, my God, like what were guys supposed to do if they were, you know, they couldn't do any different obstacles, they couldn't show their skills, the whoops were so hammered that they, you know, and some of it yep. has to do with the t- time mains, but yeah, I sure. just I get you know, and and I'm sure it's no different for you guys. But I get asked, you know, I have my VIP program, and I have all these people that are asking me all day long, you know, who's going to win, who's going to do good, like I, you know, like I'm supposed to know. Um, but I just like you know, my one answer all day was whoever gets to start. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter who's riding well. None of that matters. Whoever gets to start, and that's yeah. that's uh, it's what we saw. You know, you could crash like Chad did and throw it away, but if you got a good start and rode solid for 20 minutes, you were going to do well. Yep, yep. Uh, what do you think, Weege? Uh, I'm wondering, and I don't know who our like go-to person at Dirtworks to ask these questions to would be, but when they announced the time made events, I think the riders were pumped because of one thing they figured. Time made events might bring in some negatives and positives, but the one thing they thought for sure is sweet. Now they won't have to purposely build the tracks to slow us down. Like they hate the wall jumps, and I think they also hate you know when they try to add in a couple of extra turns, just tighten things up just to kind of slow the track down. I don't think the riders have fun doing that. Uh, and also, talking to some people this weekend, it, it throws a lot of them off. Like, they just they don't build the test tracks tight like that, and then when it ends up that way at the races, it throws off their setup. So it's like they're still building the tracks to try to lengthen the lap times and slow the 450s down as much as possible. And I think all the riders were looking forward to not dealing with that. So my guess is that, you know, the time main event thing, we didn't get that announcement until pretty late. So I wonder if they were already done. The tracks, the designs, they were already signed off. It doesn't seem like the tracks changed because they don't have to worry about the lap time anymore, does it? They still have walls. They still have well, extra tight corners. Can I say that the the riders ripped into the walls and the sand, and I'm not a fan of sand the way they did it. Just 
just a flat straightaway, like why bother? You know what I mean? Like make it, make it a little bit like Glendale or something. Okay, I'm fine with all that. I don't mind the walls, but I'm not racing. Um, I think it's kind of a neat visual for having the guys launching off it. Now, again, you know, getting sprayed with sand and everything else, and then and then launching onto a flat uh, ground. I get it. I'm okay with that. But those guys were really ripping into them, so maybe I'm wrong. But I don't know. What do you think, JT? Like, I don't mind those things. Yeah, I think you know, getting sprayed with sand's not that that awesome. No, gets the, no, gets everywhere. Um, I'm okay with the sand sections as a whole. I just, my biggest problem is that when it, it was a general consensus from what I saw, you know, Marvin was obviously laying into him on, uh, in practice, you know, he was the fastest qualifier in the first practice and he was that he didn't even talk about his riding. I thought we wanted to talk about was the wall jump, you know? And I, I feel like when you get something like that, where everyone has the same sentiment, then you should probably make a change to it. You know, cause yeah. I didn't hear one comment other from the riders other than that thing's terrible. We got to do something about it. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I, that's, that's the frustrating part. Yeah. That's where I'm standing. Like, I don't mind it. I like it, but man, when every single guy is like, screw that thing, then maybe it needs to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think, I think Weege makes a great point where there's been all this talk about how do we slow the tracks down to give more racing time? Well, that's out the window now. We don't have yeah. to worry about that. Yeah. So you don't need some massive wall in the middle of the track. You know, yeah. there was plenty of time and plenty of people talking about it. So, Hey, Hey, just take the dozer to that thing and knock it down. No big deal. You know, take you, it'll take 10 minutes on the dozer. We got time. So why, why don't it, they do that? Fixed. So why don't they do that? Why don't they do some of this I, stuff? It's gotta be, it's gotta be, they think it's, it's good visually for, for the fans and on television. I, I don't know what else it could be. You know, I'm, I could be totally wrong, and maybe I'll get a text telling me I'm wrong, but I don't know. That's the only thing I can point to is they like the way it looks, you know, for, for the fan and enjoyment and, and television spectacle. That one 90-degree turn I put on Instagram, it was the turn uh, coming back into the into the rhythm. Um, uh, was it – even blanking where, what was before it. Uh, the turn after where uh, Anderson went for the pass on Baggett. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, why – Okay, they don't have bull berms because of fans and bikes going into the things, and we've talked all about that, and I get that, and that's lawyers determining things. Okay, fine. Why not put a bump on the inside of that turn? Why not do something simple like that or, or take the rhythm, take half of the rhythm lane and uh, half of the jump on the rhythm and knock it down? Although that doesn't always work because the guys just swerve. You know what I mean? They just move to where they need to go. But – I just that stuff like that boggles me, you know. You're just like, wow, okay, all right, everybody's gonna come off that jump and then just follow through the inside. Yeah, I think it's tough. Uh, anytime you're dealing with the track, when everyone, you know, I, I even commented on it on Thursday on my uh, call on Racer X about I can look at this track map and basically tell you no one's gonna be able to pass anywhere. It's it's a ninety, and then there's another rhythm and another ninety. And how are you supposed to do anything with that? Because everyone's just going to jump across the inside and rail through the inside, and then just follow the leader. You know, yeah. so yeah. I saw your tweets during the day, and I would just kind of shake my head because at that point, once the design it's designed and out there, there's nothing they can do. You know, that that stuff's got to be changed and thought out months ago. I'll tell you what, though, uh, Weege, you were at the press conference. These guys, and I've been writing about it for weeks. I've been talking about it on my stupid shows. Now it's starting to be a little more vocal. These guys are not. They're, they're not happy, and it's okay with the they're okay with the time made events as far as endurance and everything else. But um, they're starting to say like, "Hey, do fix this, fix the track, spend more time on it, bring more dirt in." Like, and that's stuff that I've been saying because I've been hearing it for weeks. And I think finally these guys are getting a little more vocal about it. 
Yeah, I, I think it's actually been a little bit lucky that if you look at most of the riders that have been podiuming and getting in the press conferences this year, uh, Tomac, Muscan, and Dungey are not negative guys. They're not controversial controversial drama mm-hmm. guys. Yeah. Tomac doesn't talk almost at all. Marvin is incapable of saying anything mean about anybody or anything, and Dunge pretty much too. So they kind of got a little lucky, and it's taken now eight races where, yeah, at this point, finally, Tomac and Dunge were starting to starting to say it, but Dunge still, because he can't be mean, has to say, but hey, that's just a challenge. It's part of the challenge. It's up to me to get better at that. But there's no doubt that it's a problem, and you might be listening now and saying, hey, there's more laps. What are you going to do? I think if that were the only problem, then the riders wouldn't complain. But it's not just a byproduct of the extra laps. There are probably some things that could be done to alleviate that, and you said them both several times. Try to squeeze in five more minutes of maintenance somehow and bring in more dirt. I mean, when it comes down to them hitting plywood or concrete in a couple of corners, I mean, did I? Did Jordan Smith tell you at the race that he had concrete out of the gate? Starting gate? Um, That's what he told you. He said the rut in front of his gate was down to the concrete. Yeah. Like, that's that's crazy, man. That's just the dirt's not thick enough. So there are some other solutions. I don't think the time main event has really been a problem. And even if the tracks get a little rougher there, that'd be okay. But at least try your best to make it as good as you, you possibly can. And, again, rough tracks, difficult tracks sound good, but we see it late in these races probably the last seven or eight laps, the dudes can't race anymore. They're just like, don't crash. No. Don't yeah, crash. They're, don't crash. They're don't not crash. racing forward. They're just being like, hey, stay up. No. Yeah. Yeah. A few guys obviously are. Like, if you're obviously Tomac, this is playing to his strengths, no doubt about it. And obviously Moosecan sometimes his, his skills are playing to his strengths. That's cool. But it's like, it's raceable for three dudes or four yeah. out of 22. Yeah. That's yeah. not great. No, I I don't know. I, I I hate to hammer on these guys all the time, but it's becoming a bit of an issue. And guys aren't you know they're not super pumped on it. But um, maybe get rid of that one five minute practice. That's a lot less passes on the track from everybody. Nope, everybody's already said they don't really need that. Maybe do you think it really matters though? Because they're they're completely rebuilding the track before the the second yeah. practice and for the night show. I, yeah. I don't think at that point it really matters. I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I think one thing that can maybe be done is uh, if you made. Let's say make the semis a minute shorter or something. Do you know this has been a topic, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this a little more with Dunge, but do you know that this is a topic that Dunge and his crew have been studying how these tracks are breaking down? Because he had some legitimate math. I don't know if you heard in the press conference, which means they were talking about this. I think they did the math of, you know, if you get X amount of extra laps times X amount of riders doing each lap. And Dunge said something like, hey, that means that this turn or this jump got hit 180 more times than it would have been last year uh, and that's yeah you can do some maintenance after those first practices but once the night show starts you can't do too much so what if you just had one semi or cut a minute out of each semi and you know you maybe save four laps throughout the night maybe that would help i don't know all right let's get it let's talk about the race yeah. a little bit um you're right we that we uh, dungey did not just pull that math out of his butthole um he he did it. Um, <laughs> no, that, that's, that's Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. Guys doing, doing um, studying, right? Well, Weege, congratulations on the win. Uh, I feel like you deserve a lot of that credit. Um, yeah. Shitting on Dungey all week with your columns. And he comes out and uh, pulls the holy and takes off. Yeah, Tomac caught him. But it was a managed race by Ryan. I have no doubt about that. Um, and uh, and he took a win, and all of us should, should shut up. Or should we? Or should we?
Uh, fourth fastest lap of the main event only, and he did get caught by Tomac. Um, where do you stand on this win? Uh, me? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're – yeah, there's no doubt. It, it still wasn't – I mean, Tomac was catching him, and even for a part of the main event, Baggett, Baggett was too. pretty honest. Yeah. Yeah, he really was. There were there were there was a lap or two in there where he was two or three tenths faster, and it was like, huh? He's only two seconds behind, and he just gained two point two. Um, so it's not over, over. Um, and man, I can just see there's there's very few topics I've ever seen people be this all over the map on. I'm I'm seeing the reaction to our stories and comments. I'm seeing what people say on Twitter. It is all over the map, man. It is. He's got an obvious problem. Tom I caught him. It's he managed it. He's fine. It's he's the points leader. He's fine. It's he doesn't look like he used to. It's terrible. Like it is all over the map. I think the one thing this win to me did prove was whatever problem there might be, it's not as bad. Like if you have Epstein Barr or a torn ACL, I don't think you're winning this race. You know. So I think to me the victory at least removes the huge panic button problem. It doesn't mean that he's ready to dominate like he did last year, but to me it at least removes that, okay, this is not a huge, huge issue, but it's not like he's about to walk away either, I don't think. What do you think, JT? Yeah, I don't know, I'm torn. I still, uh, you know, it's a great win for him. I think it was a uh, kind of win that's, if he wins a championship, it's kind of the ride that he'll look back and, and could attribute a championship to. Um but I still, I still don't think it's the same level that we saw from him last year or the year before. So, uh, whether or not something is "quote unquote" wrong, I don't know. I, we're we're all guessing on that level, you know. And that's that's what creates so much controversy is because there is no clear answer. Uh, but I still, no matter what, I still don't think he's as good or something is uh, a miss. I don't want to say a miss, but just not. He's just not firing on the same level that he was. Uh, in 2015 and 2016, so that level he's on now may be good enough to win this title. Mm-hmm. But I still, I still would say uh, the 2016 Ryan Dungey would have won that race going away pretty easily. I talked to somebody close to Dunge uh, about some things this weekend, and they kind of told me that I said, you know, what, what do you think about all of us idiots talking about you know Ryan and, and his problems, quote unquote, and all this, and 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 the guy told me that. A lot of it has to do with these broken down tracks. Um, he does not feel comfortable. They are sketchy. Um, he hasn't been testing that much. Uh, he's been testing in California. He hasn't been working that much in, you know, for the East Coast stuff, for the softer dirt. And um, he, Dunge made a mention of that in the press conference. It was good to get back to Florida. Um, so, yeah, it's really the, the, the issue, if there is one, is him being uncomfortable on these tracks. And 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 then part of it, part of his uh, thinking about whether he races in 2018 or not, is what is the format going to be in Supercross? And you know, wait and see and find that out. And and you know I talked to DeCoster after the race and he said that you know they're going to let it on let it, let it go from Ryan. And I suppose apparently by the end of Supercross they should know what's going on. But the person I spoke to who, who knows Dunge well said, yeah, he, they think that it's uh, it's track related. It's not comfortable on the beat up tracks. So no, no physical issues, no nothing like that. Just not not feeling it on these tracks. So which yeah, and that's my yeah. point. Like that's my point. Like that's not that's not great. Like he's uncomfortable on the tracks is not great. But that's way less of a crisis yeah. than 
uh, he's Villapoto in 14 and doesn't even want to ever ride a motorcycle again in his life if he can help it. Yep. Or he can't even train or ride during the week because he's hurt or something. Yep. So that's my point. The way that leads to me proof. Plus, I think the way you see the way the points are right now, and hey, all it takes is Thomas to get a pretty bad start and he can still scratch up some wins here and there. Mm-hmm. The whole championship looks a lot more manageable after this, this win than it did uh, yeah. uh, eight days ago. Yeah. Um, but I, if he doesn't get that start last night, he doesn't win the race. No. Are we all in agreement of that? No. Yeah, okay, all right. Totally. Um, totally. But this is – this that that's not a coincidence, right? Like, no, no, He no. has been a massively better starter than Tomac consistently over the last few years. So yep. Yep. it's not like – if you if you consider that just being he got lucky, well, expected to happen a couple more times this yeah. year because he average, he's just a better starter. Average start for Dunge three point five. Average start for Tomac uh, six. So, um, and Tomac didn't get a bad start. He followed Baggett, who came out you know second. He followed Baggett tight on the inside turn and uh, just couldn't couldn't you know had to roll I guess or something or the guys from the outside caught him. But he he wasn't that bad coming in. He had a good strategy. It just didn't really work out. Um, I guess okay. Let's yeah. So we talked about you know Tomac was awesome. Came from way back, uh, was on it, uh, and he got better as the race went on. But Blake Baggett, JT, thank God that wasn't last year. You'd be walking home from from Atlanta. It was two years ago. Two but, years ago, yeah, that's far. Yeah, and and honestly, I would have never, I would have never made that that bet, knowing what I know now. But you know, I, I have to say, I was right that year. You know, he didn't get on the podium, but I think he had a lot to learn. I think he um, developed. Supercross skills, and he made mention of that, saying he's really worked at it and he likes it better now. And um, I think that's important, you know, because the the Blake Baggett that I saw back then in Supercross compared to now is a completely different guy. So, he rode great. He rode great. Yeah, no, he's, he's ridden great all year. It hasn't shown up in the main events very often, mm-hmm. but he has been uh, head and shoulders better throughout the day, especially and in the qualifying races than we've ever seen from him. What about Anderson going for it on the last lap? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had to know, right? Like, yeah. I think everybody knew. If you know anything about, you know, Jason Anderson, you know he's gonna he's gonna go for it that last lap and try to try to make the move by whatever means necessary. Um, mm-hmm. I was just pumped for Blake and for Forrest. Yeah. You know, Jason Anderson's one race has been on the podium a million times, but for Blake and that team, uh, if you're you know, hoping the scenario goes one way or another, it was it was nice to see it go their yeah. way one time. What do you think of Baggett? Weege, are you going to get one of your kooky interviews with him, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's going to turn more normal now that everything's just so, like, just, just so normal again. Like, he's just up there. Like, this is actually <laughs> not even... Here's the strange part. He's been the exact opposite of what you'd expect from him throughout the year. Like, he usually sucks in practice. Even motocross, when he was the fastest dude in the 250 class, he would qualify, like, eighth. Uh, it usually it's like the long race, that's where he did his best work. And this year was oddly the opposite. I mean, literally, we're watching all these practices every week. His number is around the top five, top three on the board all the time. I've never seen that from yeah. him. Yeah. But then for him to blow it in the main event after a good heat, after good qualifying, it's like the exact opposite of the way he normally goes. Uh, so I'm really curious now. Uh, talking to some people over there after the race, I think those first few laps – you know, market himself with Dunge. He just hadn't been up there like that all year, and I think he kind of got tight. There you go. Well, <laughs> um, so, and then I think the rest of the main event was a little bit harder on him than maybe it could have been. So, I, I, I guess my point is, if he does this a few more times, I think he's going to get 
even better. Like this time, he barely yeah. hung out for the podium, and Tomac and Dunge rolled away from him. But I think he'll get closer with a couple more uh, runs at this. Well, you you made a mention earlier, Weej, about him catching Dunge. Uh, he actually, I believe, caught him three out of four laps. Um, at one point, um, yeah, he was coming. Yep. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and I think just there's. I got to imagine there's just so much running through his mind at that point. Like, okay, I finally am. I finally got to start. Zach Bell style. Uh, he knows, I'm sure, that the podium for the team is huge. You know, just finishing the top three. Working on catching Dunge and trying to win a main event, I don't think it is the what was running through his mind at that point. Whereas Dunge being ahead of him, yeah. he's done that literally 50 times. So it's no big deal for Dunge. Um, but, JT, we've been talking about this for a while. Like, this has been a long time coming. He's been fast. Like, this is, this is not a surprise to see him on a box. No, the, the riding's been there, and yeah. I think that's been the, the frustrating part is everything just seemed to go wrong in the main events for him. You know, he just hasn't had the same form or had bad starts or crashes. You know, that Arlington main event was a complete mess. Uh, but it, it was good to see. You know, it, it was just nice to see the riding catch up with the results for once because, you know, all these other guys, their results typically show up, you know, as how they've been riding all day. But for Blake, it seemed like it was not really working out. At any weekend all year long. Um, who's more bombed, do you think, JT? Seeley, who was third, and I don't think crashed, went back to sixth. Or Reed, who was looking pretty good to perhaps grab a podium spot, and he was a much improved Chad Reed all day long. He went down at the end of the whoops and uh, fought back to uh, a seventh behind Seeley. But which guy's more bombed? Oh, I, I think Reed by far. I mean, that was. Uh, well, Seeley went from third to hard. sixth. Yeah, but that was a heartbreaker for him. I mean, he was—he had been great all day. I mean, that's the first time I think all season we've seen Reed battle for a top spot, you know, second in time qualifying, I believe. And he was, you know, bouncing off the top of the board all day long. And that's just not Chad. He just doesn't seem to have that capability anymore as far as a one-lap type deal. Do you know with him, if he's able to do that, then he's going to be really good when it's time to go racing because that's what he excels at. So I, I know I know how his mind operates somewhat. I don't think anybody truly knows how his mind operates, but I know a little bit. And that, that brings confidence big time for him. And obviously you saw him get the start, and then he was able to move forward, which has been, which has been tough for him. And I, he was just feeling it. You know, he was one of those nights, and I don't know if he was going to win, but I think a podium was in the card. I know going, his mind had to be thinking that way. And then, you know, he hasn't had many opportunities at that this year, but, you know, outside of Glendale. So to, to toss one away had to, be, had to be difficult for him to swallow. He went back to uh, Hydro Clutch this year, this week, so he's switching from there. But Weege, the new, the new uh, uh, fad for Chad Reed is getting out front in the practices early. That's the new Chad Reed now, and I like it. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, he he did that actually in Glendale, uh, and the times ended up being good. And I think a couple of us actually thought that was a bad sign. Like, oh, man, he actually really tried this time, and he still only ended up eighth fastest. Mm-hmm. But Glendale ended up being a great race for him. So, yeah, it it really does indicate, almost regardless of where his overall time ends up, and I think it wasn't the eighth again this time. Yeah, I think somewhere in there. It's more, it's more like if his first five laps of practice are good, that's how you know he's feeling it. Where he ends up overall in the times doesn't matter, but that's how you know he's feeling good. And the funny thing is I went over to the uh, Yamaha truck uh, right before the night show. You know, it's the same question I have when Cooper Webb improved by literally one whole lap of speed in, in a week, and they said there were no bike changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like, so what uh, What changed here? And our buddy Jimmy Perry's like, 
stars aligned. And I'm like, come on. Yeah, again, with this? And he's like, think of who we're talking about. And I'm like, well, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> that could actually be. That could actually be it. Yeah. With Chad, you really don't know. No, no, you don't. Um, Brayton came back the after one week. Moon's on. done. He's just feeling it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Uh, he brought Ellie yeah. in last week, choppered Ellie in to uh, to help him out, and it uh, didn't really work, but she was back this weekend, so maybe she yelled at him again. Um, yeah. Uh, Brayton came back after a, uh, a week off and uh, got eighth. Good job by Brayton. Solid. At one point, JT... There was Alessi, Freeze, and Brayton going at it. Yeah, that was uh, that was an interesting. It was dynamic to watch. Yeah, because Brayton was at the back. And yep. Brayton was the fastest of the group, and he had to pass them. Which uh, neither of those two are are easy to pass. Let's just leave it there. Uh, so it was, it was an interesting mid race battle to watch. You know, everybody's typically watching all the racing at the front, but that uh, that was some. For the fantasy guys, it was interesting. For you know all of us nerds who are you know obviously keen to all the storylines going on behind the scenes, it was interesting to watch. So definitely oh, yeah. uh, um, on a track that's difficult to pass, it, it added some excitement. Yeah, the 800 was on it. He rode really well beginning, but he definitely there was a bit of a stack up behind the 800 while Baggett and Dunge got away. You know, um, but yeah, he yep. rode, rode well for those opening laps. Um, Grant ninth, Dino not so good in tenth. Canard was frisky. All day. And looked great. Timed and everything else. Um, didn't get a start, though. Was absolutely terrible off a start and ended up with the 11th. But JT, as Fly Racing's Trey Kennard goes, this is the best we've seen him. It was the first time I've seen Trey Kennard look like Trey Kennard. Yes. Since, since he's ridden a KTM. So, uh, I mean, going back to straight rhythm and any time literally I watched him ride, I was like, man, that doesn't look like Trey at all. So, I was... I was just pumped to see him, and, and whatever the future holds for him, or whatever his results are, whatever it was just, it was nice to see the Trey Kennard that we all have watched over the years, the aggression and scrubbing and and pushing the pace, you know. Um, and I'm sure he wasn't thrilled with an 11th place finish, but if he rides like that, good things will happen. Weed, you agree? He was frisky. Oh yeah, him and Reed. It was so obvious. It was it, that was the news to me from practice. Like, right, right. When you, and it's weird how. You know, a lot of times these races, in a way, are going to break down to, you know, one small thing that they can only find with a, a ghost video software or a lit pro device in their helmet. There's there's things like that that we can't see. And then it's also strange we're having watched thousands of races like we have. We're, what, 300 feet away? And you can watch a guy like Trey go over one jump. I saw him go over the finish line one time, and I'm like, oh, he's back. You can tell. And I think you and I and, and JT, we've probably done that with dozens of riders through the years. You could just tell immediately. And the same thing with Reed. I'm like, oh, he's feeling it. So, yeah, definitely a lot better. It seemed like everyone, and the great Tim Ferry joined us for a bit of the main event. Oh, and, how uh, good was that? Yeah, it was, we, were, we were in quite the spot. We had like a revolving door of, uh, of uh, yeah. analysts. Vill- Villaman came in, started Villeman scream- screaming and yelling. At one point? Yep. And then and later, Ferry. So we had coaches and trainers in with us all night. And uh, I said to Ferry, I'm like, hey, Trey's obviously riding better, but does he have the here's the new term, the 20 plus one in him? And he's like, nah, I think he, he doesn't get So the start definitely didn't help, but the results are a few more weeks away, I guess, yeah. regardless of where he starts. I saw him this morning at the, at the airport. We were on the uh, rental car shuttle, and I talk, spoke to him a little oh. bit. And uh, he he's like, yeah, I, I'm still behind on the bike a little bit too, and I'm still figuring it out. But he he made a comment to me that was interesting. He said 
it's nice not to be the man and not to have everybody like kind of blame you. Like he kind of came out of nowhere with that. Um, just you know, just no pressure, I guess. Right? It's Dunge, and that's the that's the mentality. And he's under the radar. I mean, no matter who he rode with, he was kind of always considered the guy at Honda. And when things went sideways, you know, people may have looked at him. So I don't know. It's an interesting comment, and uh, you know, he's he's enjoying it over there. So. It's cool. Hey, I just want to mention before we're done with 450s here that Sealy did fall down. They, I don't think it had a big impact. Maybe he would have held off Marv. Okay. When he was by himself and fifth, he just tipped over at the finish line and got right up. I mean, it was probably four seconds. But Oh, that's right. He did, know. yeah. I don't, oh, you're right. Yep. Yeah, I don't want any Sealy people to be like, you guys are missing this. I don't know if it affected the results, but he right. did fall. Um, uh, hey, did you guys see Marvin clean out Bogle? No, oh, please tell me about this because I heard some aftermath. Yeah, Bogle rage. There was some serious Bogle rage. JT, unlike Marv, he checked up and rode across the track. Yeah, I mean he he definitely was frustrated. I think he was frustrated with his with his bad start. I think he had a lot. I think it was it was not just Justin Bogle. I think the bad start, and he knew he gave was giving Ryan Dungey points back. You know and. He was on a roll as far as reeling this title back in. Uh, and I think, you know, Bogle was in the wrong place at the wrong time as far as getting away. And Marvin wasn't, he wasn't in any mood to, to wait around. So mm-hmm. I thought, he, you know, he just cut inside and went into the line that Bogle was going to go through and down yeah. goes Bogle. So, I'm very, uh, unlike Marv, yeah. angry Marv. Yeah, it was frustrated. <laughs> he was frustrated. You could tell. I mean, it was, it was apparent in that move. It was apparent after the finish line, the way he rode like off the track, like he was still like going really fast after the checkered flag. Like he wanted to get out of there and back to the truck. Right. He was just really unhappy with how that went. I think, Cause um, I think he was feeling it. Like he was ready to mm-hmm. maybe win another one. And he, you know, instead he lost nine points, points later. Can you guys tell me what Barsha is doing out there? Does anybody like, he's not on his point. He's not on, he's not Justin Barsha. Right now, he's coming back from a long layoff and doesn't look that good. So I get it. Like we, it's not easy to come back. I have no problem with the results. But why does he feel the need when he gets caught and passed by guys to kind of dive bomb them and go after them? Like you're not fighting for a podium here, bro. You're you don't have your old speed yet. God, I just shake my head sometimes, man. Like, did you guys see this stuff with with Sealy or with uh, with Sealy? Was a tickle? Uh, might have been with somebody else too. Let me know about Weech tackle this one, dude. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't at Minneapolis, so I didn't get to see him much there. You know, they didn't show much on TV. But watching his laps here, like, yeah, there's two things to discuss. Like, first of all, I just can't believe, especially in the main. I mean, in the qualifying races, he was okay. I think a fifth in a heat. That's not too bad. But, dude, there are parts of the main event where I'm like, man, he is really not going fast right now. Like, he is really not going fast. So, you're right. You can potentially just say it's the injury, it's the time off, it's only the second race. I got it. But, yeah, in addition, uh, <laughs> dude, like, we saw him battling Tickle. And it's just like, what are you – like, you're not going to hold him off for nine more minutes. Like, just stop it. Just stop That's what I mean. running the dude in every corner. And I don't think Tickle is really known as a guy that does that. So no. I, I, I'm assuming that's Barsha engaging him in it. And I don't I'm know. assuming – you never know how these things start. You usually catch it the second move. But I, I can't imagine Tickle was like, I want to get into a slow-down break-check game, game with Barsha for 14th. I just can't imagine that that – 
it's just yeah, you just look around and you just see Barsha battling somebody. I, I just you know you like battling he, them hard. He doesn't have it right now, and I get it. And he he's not where he's supposed to be, and that's fine, no problem. But I, JT, I just don't know why you would cut down right across the track, cut on the insides. Not exactly sure. Yeah, I mean he's he's obviously I think taking his frustrations out on on everyone else. You know, yeah. um, I don't I don't know what else you can really point to other than he doesn't feel like he's doing well. He's got a lot of pressure on him because he makes a lot of money and things aren't going well. So he's he's you know fencing on the track, which which isn't good. You know, he's going to get paid back for that eventually here. But yeah, uh, I think everybody's kind of thinking the same thing. It's like, what's the deal here? <laughs> right, exactly. Like it's four, we're fourteenth, bro. We're fourteenth. Yeah. Like, um, all right, JT. I, I get oh. battling for fourteenth. I get battling fourteenth. Like JT, I'm sure when you were trying to get fourteenth, like there were times where. 14th, like 14th matters a lot, but the difference here is it's the guy caught him from way back and the dude's going way faster and there's a lot of time left in the race. Like, you're not going to outduel him for no. seven more laps. You're just not going to hold him off. So, you don't need yeah. to check him in every corner. That's the difference. No, that's, and that's, that's uh, it's the yeah. same argument I have with uh, with the Vince Breezy thing. Like, they're going to get you, you know? Don't try to take people out and do silly things because they're going by you no matter what. So, uh, um, all right, JT, we got to let you go. you got to run. Uh, thanks for jumping okay. in and talking 450s, and uh, Weege and I will move on to 250s. Uh, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Before we talk 250s, though, let's go to commercial break here. Listen to this uh, commercials from Michelin on their Starcross 5 tire. It's a real new commercial that uh, Randy Richardson put a lot of work into. It's really funny. So please listen to this commercial. And Racetech, Racetech suspension and motors, Pulpamex 17 is the code to save money at Racetech. We'll be right back with Jason Wygant to uh, talk some 250s from Hotlanta. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on RacerX. I want to talk to you a little bit about Racetech. The folks at Racetech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PulpMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right. If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Racetech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Racetech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now. Valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulpmex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp and Mech Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hear the motocross stuff. Fair 
enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting is always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet... You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. And we're back! FlyRacing.com. FlyRacing, FlyRacing, FlyRacing. Uh, Racer X Podcast. Um, coming at you for Atlanta. 250 talk here. Well, why again? He did it. And you know what? We talked about it last week in our podcast. We talked about it in your in your three-on-three column where your questions sucked. We talked about it on pulp shows and everything yeah, else. You guys, those questions were fine. You guys were ridiculous. No, they were terrible. You were off your game, and that's I was very fine. Upset. That happens. I was very upset. Um, you can... You can ask two things can be surprising in one race when it's the opening round. There's potentially 12 things that were surprising. I couldn't ask for two. No. Um, it's ridiculous. Wacko Zacko wins the main event, wins his first ever 250 Supercross main event, and not a surprise. We just saw him in Minneapolis, and like I said, we all talked about everything else. Um, he's on it, man. He was great. He came up from, I think, third, passed Amart and Jordan Smith, and, uh, and took off for a nice, easy kind of win, as easy as these things are going to be. Um, he looks great, and we said that last week. Yeah, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about Kennard, say, in practice. Like, there's just certain things that you can see from 300 feet away. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the old Osborne. I mean, one thing, Zach is uh, one of the guys who does always look like he's trying. Like, there's other riders you can name through the years, like uh, Christian Craig looks effortless or Porcel looks effortless. Like, when they're going fast, they don't look like they're going fast. Anytime you've ever watched Zach O'Rod, you're like, dude, that guy is trying as hard as he can. He still has that, but everything just looks somehow sharper, cleaner, more precise. And honestly, the main thing is it just looks like it's repeatable. It reminds me a lot of what uh, Moose Cam was like here in the East two years ago, where it's mm. just like, he just got this, man. He's just got this. And yeah. I don't want to be the first to congratulate him on winning this title. There's other good dudes out there, and it's only two races, but yep. Yep. he just looks... So this just looks so at ease for him, which is kind of shocking. It was his first win, but it was like, I think he said in the first lap, yeah, he's got this. He's, he's in third. He's got it. Yep. And he did. And um, really, okay, it's only two races in. Lots can happen. I'm knocking Adam Cincerillo off my podium, off my championship list. You know, we talked about him. I'm knocking Christian Craig yep. off my championship list. Um, you know, that's that's done. And now I'm thinking his his him and Savachi are going to take this down to the wire. Yeah, it would be tough to make an argument. Uh, you know, obviously, Amart had one bad one. Um, 
Jordan Smith has been good, but still has a little bit of the Jordan Smith shakiness to him. So, yeah, you're down to those two, and that's the only reason I'm not going to, again, say congrats, Zach, on the title. Savaji's a bad dude, and he's been through the wars. He knows how to keep himself in this fight. But, uh, yeah, I I really do think it's down to those those two. Savaji, this track being so bad with the passing, it makes it a little bit harder to judge. I, you know, writing the race reports at 3 in the morning Saturday night, I'm like, man, I feel like I wrote every single dude got a bad start. Like, Dean, Wilson, yeah. bad start. <laughs> Moosecamp, bad start. But it totally ruined their race. And Savachi, not only did he not have a good start, but I thought he would do better coming through. Uh, he wasn't really even gaining much on Colt Nichols. But I don't know. Maybe that's... Maybe that's the track and not him. I, I don't want to judge too much, but I thought he would be a little bit more impressive uh, than he, he was, was coming through. But maybe that's the track. I'm, see, I'm, I'm okay. I left with a different impression. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm left with the fact like good job, like good, good work. Mm-hmm. Really bad start, uh, buried in there, and uh, and really good work for Joey to get fourth by the end of the mm-hmm. race. His endurance showed up near near the end, and you know what I mean. So uh, it's funny how you we have different yep. opinions. Like I'm like, yeah, great, great work. So, I based the whole thing on just he wasn't gaining at all on um, on Nichols for a long time. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I, again, maybe that's the track. Maybe yeah. you just can't. Right. Um, Amart's move on Jordan Smith at the time. Um, I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that one, Amart. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Afterwards, uh, Jordan was pretty diplomatic about it. Um, you know, people on my Twitter, and I haven't watched the race yet, everybody, so keep that in mind. I've been busy. Um, but people were saying, yeah, it's kind of a racing move. And uh, and Jordan wasn't that mad. I mean, he was like, hey, that sucks. That bum, that bummed me out. They were kind of going for the same spot. Jordan cut cut in. Amart jumped into the turn, and they met and sent Jordan Smith off. But in the end, I think Jordan was decently okay with it. I mean, he's probably not loving it like McDonald's, but he's decently okay with it. Yeah, I talked to him, too, and I think that's the way he felt. Like, obviously, you're not going to be ever pumped when you are battling for second and third and then you end up fifth because you got knocked down. But, uh, I mean, I know that it's always crazy when you see two teammates hit each other. But at some point, I mean, it is a race. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't design all this on a computer. Like, sometimes you're battling a dude and you want to get into second. And you go for it a little extra. And I'm sure Amar's goal wasn't to knock him down. Mm -hmm. But he can't back off. He's got to try to pass the guy, and I think he accidentally, like I said, he wasn't trying to knock him down, but he was at least trying to make the pass. Whether it's a teammate or not, sometimes you got to try to make the pass. Yeah. Uh, and Smith, to his credit, I think part of the reason he's not mad is he's like, you know what, I was in second, I had him. If I hadn't made a bunch of mistakes, he wouldn't even pass me in the first place, and this wouldn't even have happened. So yeah. I think good on him for kind of saying, like, I shouldn't even have been in a situation where we were side-by-side. I should have just held him off. And also, too, at some point, Amart let Jordan back into it. Um, Amart pulled away a little bit, and I'm like, oh, okay. He's got second. Like, he's got a little secure spot on it. And then he must have screwed up somewhere, um, and then Jordan came in. So, Amart kind of um, kind of let it go, too, a little bit. Um, Colt Nichols, man, like, great ride. Just kind of. Wow. Stayed there. Yeah. The kid broke his femur not that long. I was like, there's no way he's going to make the East Coast opener when I heard it. And uh, and nice work to get a third. Yeah, I talked to him quite a bit during the track walk, and I was like, how are you even doing this? And, again, so much of the – so much good is coming out of this Gareth Swanepoel camp. And he gave all the credit there. He's like, I broke a femur, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm going home to Oklahoma. And 
chilling out for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, Swanee's like, no, you're going to therapy the day after surgery. And he's like, the, sur- the therapy was hard, and it was gnarly, and it hurt unbelievably bad. But it got him back. And we knew he was going to be racing, but I didn't think he'd be. I mean, he's really good. Like, I don't know where the limit is for this guy. Like, can he get in there and, and win one of these? Like, the speed isn't far off from what anybody else is throwing down out there. Yeah. No. Um, he's not as experienced as these guys, but yeah, he's good. No, I agree. Nice work for, for Colton Nichols. If AC doesn't fall down while he's in uh, fourth, I think. Yeah, uh, fourth. Fourth? Does he, does he get second? Mm, I, I don't know. I mean, Amart ended up – by the way, Amart couldn't have looked worse in practice. I was yeah. really getting worried. I'm like, maybe this just isn't going to work out. Maybe he's just not good at Supercross. Like, what's up? Mm-hmm. But he really recovered. So I don't. I'm not going to guarantee that anyone was going to get you know second away from him. But uh, and we just said how good Nichols is. So I can't guarantee that AC would have got him. But like, dude, he washed out slash tipped over in a corner again. Like, <laughs> how many times has this happened in the last three years? Like. Just when do you think this is the race, this is the time, he's finally going to get it back. Maybe he'll get a podium, or maybe he'll, you know, even a moto outdoors, maybe he'll get a win. Like, why does that happen? It's happened, that's have happened 30 times in the last three years. I'm not even joking. I don't know about that. I know you told me that, but I don't know. We'll have to get some stats out on that. Um, Dude, the washout tip-overs. Like, yeah. the washout tip-overs. Every, the last two outdoor seasons when he tried coming back, like, tons of them. And I'm like, oh, now we even got one in Supercross. And mm-hmm. I think that corner, I think everyone was saying there was concrete yeah. down on the first turn. Yeah. Maybe that's what got him, but it, <clears throat> no one else was crashing like that. And then he had a couple other wild rides, which I don't think were actually his fault, but just just a shame. Yeah. Um, Luke Reslin had to go to the LCQ, but ends up with a sixth quietly. A six. Very quiet. He had two hole shots, right? He hole shot the Heat and the LCQ. Is that the first two hole shots of his life? Right. <laughs> I don't remember him ever getting starts, like even yeah. not hole shots, yeah, even yeah. getting a good start at any right. point. Yeah, he's he's one of the most improved um, yeah, out looks there, good. I think. Yep. Yeah, he looks yep. really good. Uh, Freddie Norn was good, too. Uh, AC took him out in the last lap. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Uh, um, Freddie Noren's wife said it was a it was a low blow from another rider, and I texted Adam that, and he said, "Oh no, I like Freddie. I didn't mean that." <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I only saw like the last forty percent of it, and maybe it was, but I mean, dude, you're battling for a spot with two turns to go in the last lap. I don't know where the yeah. I've been I've been getting mad about this lately. You know, this all started with this Freeze and Anderson controversy, and I started saying to myself, "Wait a minute." Why have we all decided that anything short of shooting a dude in the face for the final transfer spot in the LCQ is fine? But if you do moves like that at any other time of the night, they're not. Uh, and, again, I'm not just saying this right. about AC and Norrin. Like, uh, people were super pissed at Anderson for knocking Webb and himself down in a heat race in Glendale. Mm-hmm. And I talked to Alvin about it, and he's like, yeah, it wasn't the best move, but he was hurt. He was in fifth. It was the last turn of a heat. He knew if he could get fourth, he wouldn't have to ride the semi. That would save him a whole bunch of minutes on the track. So he went for the final transfer in the last turn of the last lap. Like, is that that bad? And I'm, like, thinking, no. In the LCQ, we'd all be saluting that effort. So, mm-hmm. last lap. Last lap. It's got to mean something different on the last lap. Um, 
Peters is uh, solid for JGR again with a ninth. Now, Bichelia broke his other leg for this team. This team is it, it's phenomenal. I don't know what is going on with these guys. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Peters does, if he ends up staying with the team or goes to Australia. or well, I guess there's two rounds. He's definitely guess, leaving hints of what he would prefer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got the hint on, on what he would like to do, yes. Um, and I guess there's two two rounds in a, of the East Coast that interfere with the Australian stuff. So maybe he misses the two uh, and comes back. I don't know. But anyways, yeah. he's been he's been solid, quietly solid, which is Peters always does, just quietly solid. Um, RJ, RJ Hampshire went backwards. That wasn't a very good race for RJ. At one point he fell, I believe. Um, yeah. Not, not a yep. great race for him. Um, yep. And uh, Geico Honda, like, uh, oh, my God. I don't know which one you want to tackle first. How horrible it's gone for JGR or how horrible it's gone for Geico? Which, I mean, one point in the 450 main, I'm watching. I think someone, I don't know if it was Tomac or, or, or Bagger or somebody, like blew right through both Weimer and Barsha while lapping them. And me and uh, Wheels, our social media guy, were watching at the same time. We just turned to him and just said, "Wow, like." There's JGR's two 450 guys just floundering. I mean, yeah. Weimer has hit the ground so many times yeah. in the last couple of weeks. Barsha, we mentioned his struggles. Michelia is hurt for a second time. Poor Phil is uh, incomprehensible. I actually got some videos sent to me of him high on pain drugs <laughs> after getting his shattered heel put together. I mean, this is, and this Pike, is terrible, but I'm not sure. Yeah, uh-huh. and Pike was there with a big cast on. Yeah, he's not coming back yeah, anytime soon. Right. Yep. Mike was there with a big cast on. Yet, despite that, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe Geico Honda's season has been a little better. Little? But not much. Like, they're down to R.J. Hampshire, who I talked to him in the afternoon, and he's got all sorts of injuries, and he's the only guy they have left. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Craig. I mean, Craig, I think, is going to be good for Toronto, supposedly. Yeah. You know, they'll know for sure in a few days. But, but what a what a disaster. Yeah. His I mean, they legitimately had title hopes for Christian Craig. There's no yeah. doubt. There's no doubt. And yeah, yeah, right. That's so you got a twelfth and, and a DNF. So yeah. hurt or not, it just sucks. Uh, um, you know, it's funny. Like, okay, look, it's super easy to say this after the fact, but both Osborne and Amart were like, "Yeah, like he was killing the whoops, but those whoops were weren't going to be like that in the in the in the main event." Like. I didn't even care. It didn't even bother me that he was so fast in the whoops because um, he was. Craig was super fast in the whoops, and it ended up biting him. Um, but I think it was because he was checking up for a down rider. But anyways, both of those guys were like, yeah, like whatever. Like it mentally didn't get to him that Craig blew by them in the whoops numerous times in practice. So, um, you know, that's just another thing. And then Chase Sexton, uh, his second oh. practice, so his uh, about eighth lap on a supercross track, he breaks his femur. Oh, yeah. dude. So this dude has broken his knee, his both wrists, and a femur before he's been able to make his pro pro debut. And uh, I was thinking about all this. I get to drive to Atlanta, so I have like four hours in the car thinking about all these scenarios. Mm-hmm. Four hours in the Jeep, I should say. And I'm thinking of all the scenarios. Uh, this Roxon deal is, is turning for the worse, uh, I feel. Um, you know, he was positive and pumped up when it first started. I'll be back and everything. But now that you're reading, like, I'm going to need a tenth surgery and the news isn't getting better. I did not for one sec. I'm like, we see dudes get jacked up all the time and then they come back. They take a year off and they come back and they're right where they were. We've seen it happen time and time again. So I was not even 1% concerned for the future of Ken Robson. 
but now I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it doesn't get all the way back, right? So this huge push, this, this all-new bike and Honda and everything's changed, and they brought in Shorty and everything's going to be great, and it was. Now I'm like, what if Rockson never gets all the way back to where it was? And the darn pipeline that they used to get fed by Geico, like, it just keeps hitting these brick walls, like, not from lack of trying. Mm-hmm. But, okay, what if Chase Sexton had actually debuted at Unadilla last year like he was supposed to? He was kind of considered like an Austin Forkner, you know, mm-hmm. rival. Yep. If he was somewhat Forkner-like right now, the overall vibe would be like, Luckily, if it doesn't work out, they still got stuff on the horizon. They got a Forkner-like talent on the horizon. Instead, the poor dude can't even get on the track. Like, it's just amazing how quickly this thing has turned. It was Honda, Honda, Honda all day long a month ago. They got Jeremy yeah. Martin. They got Jeremy Martin. He's going to be supposed to ride a 450 for the next year. I mean, this has gone terribly. It's crazy. I think he's riding a 450 in Daytona is what I hear. Have you heard that? I don't know. I better check on this. Yeah, J-Mart. Check J-Mart. 450 yeah. Daytona. Um, right. But the J-Mart stock isn't what it was uh, in December. No, the Ken Roxon stock isn't what it is. Yeah, Chase. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah you no, know, good points. All of it. Absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah. You know who was uh, who was pretty good in the uh, 250s again was uh, Cameron McAdoo. I think he crashed, I know. I think he crashed again at some point, but... Let me check here. He was coming at, at one point. He was, yeah, yeah, he was. And uh, for what the book says on him, you know, I heard he's just the gnarliest dude, right? You've heard that too, right? Yeah, like, yeah. An animal trainer, super aggressive on the bike. I know he had a little crash maybe this week, and I know he had one last week. But overall, when you watch him, he doesn't look sketch. No, that's okay. Yeah, no, yeah. You know what? maybe he didn't crash. I just maybe his charge just slowed. As he came from the yeah. back. But, yeah, he, he's been good through two weeks, for sure. Like, he's one of those guys, like, it's no problem for him to get in the main event. Like, he's all day long, just riding around in the heat races. Like, I got this, you know, which doesn't always yeah, happen. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's really good. Really good. Do you know what happened to A-Rod? He didn't show up for the LCQ. He got seventh last week. No, I did not. I, I saw him in the morning and just said, hey, and then I saw him, I think, in practice or something. He looked okay. Yeah. Huh. Maybe not. I totally forgot about that. Uh, but yeah, Craig Steele's not good for sure. That's that's a bummer for them. Um, he was fast. Yeah, like I yeah. said, I think he's going back for Toronto. But yep. you know, he's not going to win the title. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he's definitely out of the title hunt. Um, as is no. as is J Mart. No. As is J Mart. Yeah, and it's not to say I just we just know the emotional highs and lows of how this goes. This isn't to say that J Mart doesn't do something well when the West comes back, or doesn't win the 250 title outdoors. It's just at the moment, I was like, man, Honda's got this loaded gun. I mean, Sealing and Roxon are coming in on fire, and by the way, they're going to have J-Mart on a 450. That could be a steal. Yeah. They, they might really have something here that they got, yep. you know, off the scrap heap from Yamaha. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not looking – right now, it's not like anyone at Honda would be like, well, we don't got to worry because we got these guys coming. <laughs> like, at the moment, it doesn't look good. Yeah. Ferrandis was fast too, but went down in the main event twice, I believe. So, he was, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was all right. Yep, I think he's surprising. I guess maybe just people don't know the name. Maybe I heard a lot of people being like, "I don't know anything about this dude, but he looks good." But um, whatever. I mean, he's he's a top GP dude. You know, it was kind of invisible a little bit going back to four fifties. Was Mookie, right? Oh yeah, you're right. Like just uh, just a little invisible. I don't know. Didn't have a great main event. 
Remember, he was a little frisky in the heat race, remember? And then he uh, he was battling. He, he bumped into Kennard. Kennard fell. He was battling Tickle. He might have actually gotten second in the heat, but he stalled when he was battling Tickle. But, you know, this is one of the things that happens sometimes. What do you think of this theory? Remember the We Can Work With Speed uh, oh, era yeah. of Dean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he'd be fantastic for eight laps of the main, and then his arms would pump up, and he would go backwards. Yep. But then there were a few other races where he just started not going fast the entire race. And I think it was because he was like, I don't want to almost wad myself because I got arm pump and I'm trying to hold on a fifth. I'm just going to try to go a speed that I can do the whole mm-hmm. main event. Yep. Could that potentially be it? Where Mookie's like, okay, I tried just going as fast as I could for 14 laps in the first two weeks and it wasn't working out. Yep. Maybe it almost gets in your head a little bit. Like, I got to pace myself a little bit here. Yeah, yeah, maybe, right? You're just like, I mean, everybody gets tired of doing that. Right? Yeah, you know you're going to hit a wall yeah. at, at lap 14. You probably don't quite go as all out in yeah. the beginning. Yep. yep. Um, who was the most interesting person you talked to in Atlanta Pits? Yeah, what is it about Atlanta, man? It's it's like the red carpet. Everybody it is, right? Is there. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's this dude, I guess you know him too. Um, there's this guy whose kid who at like six years old had every line of my Chatapult uh, Millville race call memorized at like six years old. I'd see him every year and he'd recite everything I said on that clip from YouTube. Um, I saw that guy gave me a Starbucks gift card. It's becoming quite the thing, getting free Starbucks from fans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I almost, yeah. I got Chick-fil-A stuff from the, the grandson. Oh, I got to ask you about that. I heard you met. One of the Kathy, the actual Kathy family members yeah, over JGR. I've met him before. I've met him before here and there huh? over the years. He's always in Atlanta, yeah. But oh, okay. yeah, now with the with the uh, with the Pulp and Mex show and the Chick Fil A stuff, he he wanted to make sure he got some gift cards to me. And he admitted yeah. that he admitted the sandwiches at the races aren't that good, and that's he understands why I think that. He's like, you really? got to go into a restaurant. You got to go into a restaurant. So, so. I, I wasn't around for your entire. I don't listen to five and a half hours of your show. I don't know what your entire Chick Fil A, mm-hmm. pardon the pun, beef is. Right. But so, do you not have you not tried it at a store? It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's no, horrible. never, never ate at a store. Only ate at the races, and it always sucks. No, you. That's yeah, that's not fair. Um, I have ate actually. I have ate at a few stores over the years, a long time ago, and I thought it sucked then too. Yeah. It was a oh, burger. Okay. It was a soggy bun with a pickle on it and a greasy chicken thing, and I'm like, oh yeah, awesome, great. So, anyways, but people have urged me, and they've insisted that I need to try it again. So, um, I talked to Shane Drew for a while from Yamaha about um, about the bike setups and things of working with Chad and everything else. So that was interesting. Just you know, yeah, all the things that Chad's been going through and and how those guys are just throwing everything at him, you know, and yep. testing, testing, testing to try to make them happy. So, try to make the stars align. Yep. Where'd you eat at? I yep. ate at Honda. I had a Buka Buka at Honda. It was fantastic. Yeah, I had Buka over at uh, Geico. They had it served early, and I was like, this could be my last meal of the day, and it's only 2 o'clock, so I must have ate 15 pounds of uh, lasagna. <laughs> and then Paige Craig comes walking by, and uh, she was talking to me, but her eyes could not could not stop seal, stealing glances at this monstrosity <laughs> of a plate I had taken. Uh, I mean, she couldn't she not divert her glance. Yeah. I'm, like, eyes, I'm thinking, like, eyes up here. Eyes up here, honey. Yeah, exactly right. Look at right, this yeah. massive plate. Oh. Um, and I think the best combo I had, I went over to the Cowie truck and uh, talked to Dan Fahey because walking down the ramp before opening ceremonies at Glendale, Fahey and I have had this ongoing 
battle over a topic you're familiar with, the you know rider versus setup versus team versus bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a team manager that Dan Fahey is for Monster Kawasaki, you know he believes that all problems are within the realm of a team should be able to fix. Well, they can fix the his, besides being, you don't know what Dan used to do. He was a road race uh, data guy, so. Yeah, and I think we even discussed that a little bit at one point where I'm like, but it is a little more on the bike, you know, in that world. I mean, that's not the crux of my argument, but – and and we both have our points, right? Like his point is basically we do see riders go up and down when they make changes to bikes. You do see it. I mean, Eli yeah. this year is a absolutely perfect example. Um, so he's, he sought me out before uh, – Glendale, just to talk about this topic more, it's just fun bench racing. You know those Cowboy guys, you go over there, it's always a good time. Well, I, um, I, I went over there a bunch, and they, all they wanted to talk about was Panda getting third overall at the MXGP and, and getting Stu back and when Stu coming back. And I can't get much out of those yeah. guys' seriousness. So. Oh, no, I was, yeah, my world was getting rocked for sure. I mean, it was like eight on one. But uh, um, so Fahey and I were talking about it. I'm like, and I see some other guys, Ryan Holiday, the Team Green guy, and I'm like, can you believe say he tracked me down, found me before the night show in Glendale to say basically he called a shot. He basically knew they had Tomac fixed and was setting me up to see it. And then lo and behold, he goes from eighth right. the week before to dominating the main event. Yeah. So check mark, checkmate, right. well done. And he's like, that's <laughs> not what I was doing. I was just talking. I'm like, no, you knew it. You, you, you knew it. I give you full credit. My argument is, and I know you say the same thing in a way. I'm like, but all of you dudes put basically 5,000 gallons worth of stuff into the off-season. You try and you try and you try and you try and you change and you test and you try. And then the races start, the same basic dudes are basically up front doing the same thing every year. Uh-huh. Right? I'm like, so really? All these things are fixable by you? Yeah. So the argument continues forever. <laughs> it does. It goes around and around and around. Maybe we'll call JT back and get him to talk about it, but... Um, yeah, Paul really... Thiele and Jason Anderson have gone through two different classes, multiple generations of bikes within their companies, and they're basically where they were compared to each other four years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's practically the same every week. Like, how many times has five out the 16th, 15th lap? Here comes Anderson, and he's got to get Sealy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And again, going back to Barsha. Uh, two summers ago, he was he was with Ryan Dungey, beating him, pulling away, all that kind of stuff. And then one year later, on the same motorcycle, can't do anything with it, and they can't not happy with his bike. They give him another set. You know, like you're like this bike just this bike can beat Ryan Dungey. We saw it multiple times. So there we go. You know that that's that's all you need to know. But the teams can I, never. I'm always thinking the Barsha thing is now. The Barsha thing has spiraled so far. I don't even know if you can use it as an example for anything anymore. I'm, it's getting harder and harder to find parallels. Like this is just. I can't almost come up with a. Uh, the dude won two races. A rookie. He was that good. Like what? What yeah, is the but deal? I'm not ready yet. I gotta see, give him another couple of races. I need to see two more races, and we'll, and we'll see where he's at. You know. So I'm not. Yeah, I'm, you know. I'm not saying I've given up on the guy. But if you just went from rookie year to where he is right now, yeah, I'm I'm trying to find maybe Damon Huffman. I'm trying to find parallels to a dude who had it, was there, it was gonna happen, and it just isn't working out. And he's had mm. some injuries, but we're not talking like his career ended or something. Yeah. Like it's just I mean, even Huffy broke a femur, weird. which is a pretty big deal, you know. 
Yeah, the Huffy femur thing, I, I think people own that one a little too much. He was a rookie in 96 and almost beat McGrath at what, like fifth race? Yeah. He broke his femur in 98. So where was he at in all of 97? He won one race. Like, he oh. floundered a long time. He found him for two seasons before that femur break. He didn't break his femur the next year? He didn't break it in 97? No. Oh. No, he broke it in 98. That's the part people forget. I think he did break his leg after he won Atlanta in 97, but the femur was the next year. Oh, anyway. okay. I'm thinking. I don't of, know. Yeah, okay. The leg. Right. All right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. So maybe he was about to get it. And maybe Barsha was, if he didn't get hurt at the wrong time every year. But it's just there's very few parallels I can think of. Of he but, had it. Yeah, he, here's it. He here's the there. here's the thing with the testing too. But the teams can't give up. The teams can't throw their arms up because the rider will automatically just bail on them. You know, you just can't do that. So you have to find you know, things to do. I talked to John Tomac about that. I saw I saw John and I was like, Hey, now that everything's worked out with Eli, can you tell me now if there was like. I mean, were you guys like, oh, crap, after the first three races? And he's like, yeah, we pretty much were. You know, I wonder if he was going to be like, no, we knew what the problem was and we knew it was fixable. Like, there was a dangerous yeah. moment there. Yeah. Uh, and, it, right, if it had gone a little bit longer, yep. it would have been a huge problem. So what do you think Dunge does? Do you think he hangs it up? I mean, like I said, talk to Roger about it. And he's basically, we'll let Ryan decide and talk to someone, uh, you know, that that's also close to Ryan. And they're like, yeah, we're – well, give him to, give him the super cost is kind of what they're winking. Like, what do you think he does? Well, I'm wondering what this uh, the talk about the depends on what the format is. Like, that's a that's very interesting. What, what I don't know what the definition of format uh, is when you're hearing that. It depends what the format is. Yeah. Talking about time and events. Are we I, talking about? I think yeah, maybe going format, yeah, maybe we, go, maybe we, go, going back to the chase. You know, or trying to get, go back to a, a chase format or something. Well, we know the idea is at least circulating. We don't know what's going to happen, but, I mean, obviously, if you're done, you would not like that, right? Right. Um, it's unfortunate that uh, – can you imagine if, if, let's say, 2006 Chad Reed is in the situation of Dunge and this is happening? I mean, he would just put it on blast every day, <laughs> every interview. Just all the but, time, yeah, just <laughs> – He would. He would literally say – if the rule changes I'm hearing about happen, I will retire. Yeah. He would say that. Right. And you're never going to get that from Dunge, so we'll never really know. But I thought it was interesting listening to your DeCosta interview. I think DeCosta was almost like, why is everyone thinking he's going to retire? He's still good. He's 27 years old. Why would he retire? Well, maybe because of the but RV thing, we, yeah. You know. That's it. We all know. We are programmed. We have, let's say we have a chip in our head to say you can only do the Alden thing for so many years and then you must retire on top. That is what Carmichael did and that is what Villapoto did. That's what's driving all this. Absolutely. Trying to get Somebody, well. Oh, Timmy. Was it Timmy or Villaman? One of them said, yeah, but if he rides for a few more years, he'll probably make $10 million. Yeah. Yeah, but those guys, when after you retire, you always think like that. All those guys think like that. They all look back on money they threw away. Every single one of those old dudes. So. They do not look back on man. I'm lucky. No, no, they look Walk back at today. at throwing away money that they that they left on the table. Red Dog regrets all those Euro Supercrosses that he turned down for thirty five grand a pop every single day. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's it. I think that's. I think it was fair. He said that, and I'm like, everyone seems to assume that an extra ten million dollars doesn't mean anything. Yeah. But yeah. it's bizarre um, that. It, we don't. We don't think that it does. It didn't for real photo. I did see. Speaking of Ferry, I did see him and Yogi talking just in the middle. Nice. In, in the middle of the pits, 
Packed Pitts, Tim Ferry, Ezra Lusk, who used to bring the Georgia Dome to a frenzy, you know, uh, in his heyday. Um, and you know Yogi. Yeah. He's just unassuming, quiet guy. Uh, really nice dude. Yep. And they're just standing in the middle talking. And once again, I get my uh, epiphany that, yep, these guys just, you know, once they're gone, they're gone, man. That's it. So. I, I don't. I don't understand that. I don't. Yeah. It, it, I don't. It does not work that way in other sports. Like I don't get it. Like I there know. were fans then. You would not. Joe Montana cannot just walk around at 49ers games. Correct? No, I wouldn't think so. I would not think so. And Weed, you weren't around when Yogi was Yogi in the Georgia Dome. No. Like. No. He no. was the you know the South and McGrath was the Cali guy, right? So. It was a little bit of that East-West thing. And Yo came out in the Atlanta Falcons helmet almost every year. And, like, this was it. He was Jesus. He brought that whole dome yeah. to, to its feet, you know. Um, and now he's just chilling with it with a hat on and talking to Timmy in the middle of the concourse. So, Yeah, I don't understand. Um, I mean, I, I think the only reason, this is, this is sad to say, the only reason that McGrath, I mean, I, I, I see him at these races. He still signs autographs. He still has fans. He's not mobbed. No. You know, it's no. Like he can't move. No. But he's still pretty popular. But I guarantee you, McGrath is only still pretty popular because he's kept his name out there by doing these brand ambassador things yeah. and stuff. Yeah, he has. If he just went into the shadows, he would just, he would be approached by nobody. I don't understand this. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why you have to work to keep your name out there. Yeah, you would never have to in another sport. Uh, speaking of that, we'll wrap this Fly Racing Racer X podcast up with. Um, well, I don't know. should we wrap it up with, or should we talk about another guy that's been trotted out to do some? Oh, stop it! Okay, you really, All just right. do it on your pulp show. It'll be maybe make it a six-hour show this week. <laughs> Keep your notes. Just. <laughs> Just stop it. I, I just I if I'm him, I'm saying no. I'm saying I'm good. That's it. That's all. That's that's all. I'm just being like, no, I don't want to do it. I, I'll come out and wave and get interviewed all day long. Listen, but, fans, listen to the show. This is this is Steve just at his most biased. No, it's not. One claim. No, that, it's no, not. Listen, here's I got proof. I got proof. I'm gonna box you in. I'm gonna box you in. This is this is what they do on Dan Levitard. You're gonna get boxed in. Okay. Steve claims to be a showman. It's all about the show. All about for the fans. Steve Mathis once said that while Ryan Villapoto was being carted off on a backboard in St. Louis with a broken leg in 2010, they should have handed Dungey the number one plate and had him spit on his dead carcass. I, I did not and say. Like, I, to, I did not he, say spit on his carcass. But I oh, just sorry. Okay, maybe I, I right. maybe I forgot some things in right. the years. Right. But you said, why did they not give Dungeon number one plate that night? I'm like, because mathematically he wasn't champ. And you're like, Filippo's on a stretcher. He's not coming back. Dungey was gonna win the title. And I'm like, but mathematically he didn't clinch it the next week. And you're like, I'm a showman. I'm a showman. <laughs> give it to us. <laughs> so claim, I, I want it to be like wrestling. I want it to be like, like I want Prater out there being, and now the plate goes to Dunge. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. While Villapoto's being carted off. Exactly. And then maybe, maybe Dunge puts Villapoto in a figure four leg lock on the broken leg. <laughs> like, they could, uh, they could rip yeah. off, rip off, uh, well, RV wasn't champ then. It was, uh, it was oh, 2010, so who would have been champ? Yeah. Stu? Or... 
yeah, how about that? Stu was champ, but what, nowhere to be seen. He was hurt. No, I was going to yeah. say, like, say if Villapoto was the champion, like, I would even rip the plate off of Villapoto's plate while, he, while he's getting carted off. Oh, rip it well, off I his bike. Yeah. Rip the plate yeah. off and give it to Don. You go, you earned this because you just defeated him. You know, like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. So here we go. You're getting riled up because you like this. You're saying you're here for the show. You're here for the fans. If it's good for the fans and it's good for the show, you do it. Well, when a certain five-time Supercross champ goes out there and does a hot lap and does whips on his number four RCH Suzuki, the fans like it. They do. You just Are you a showman? Are you a showman or are you not a showman? <laughs> that's, that's, that's apples and oranges, bro. It's apples and oranges. No, it's not. I'll just get in trouble, so whatever. Uh, it's just... <laughs> You don't see it in other sports. You just don't see it in other sports. And I would think that he would be like, no, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm okay. I'll come out and wave, and I'll get interviewed all day long. But I'm, I don't need to ride. That's, I don't need to go out there not in shape and ride with the current dudes. Like, but, hey, whatever. To each his own. That's all. I just don't see Michael Jordan coming out in a Bobcats jersey and dunking in opening ceremonies. That's all. What about Mookie? Mookie was in opening ceremonies at uh, Anaheim too when he came back. Were you okay with that? I was okay with it. Um, I'm like, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, the crowd's yeah, going to yeah, cheer. Yeah. If the crowd's going to cheer, this is an opening ceremony. Yeah. This is not science. We're not curing cancer. It's freaking opening ceremony. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. crowd liked it. Yeah, give it to yeah, him. No, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was, uh, other people oh, were a little upset, okay. but whatever. Beat it. Yeah, it's Mookie. So. Oh, okay. So that's fine. Well, he's a current but, racer. Uh, he's a current racer. Oh, he's, he, he, okay. Do anything for the show except for this one. The only thing I'll give you this. I'll give you this. Thank you. It's looking more and more weird that other dudes have retired, and he's still the only one doing it. Now, Reed is still racing multi-time champ. Stu is nowhere to be seen, so it's not like he's even available to do this. I, I, we don't even know what his status is. Like, is he retired, not retired, whatever. <laughs> right. So, so I guess you could say that there isn't anyone of – Ricky's caliber yet that is retired, except RV, who would maybe do it too. Well, they did. But did our wait? Did RV not ride out in the Monster Cup or the Vegas race? Remember, he did practice. He, he's he's ridden some here and there for yeah, sure. Yeah. But I am saying it is getting a little weirder. I mean, he literally is retired. In it's 10 eleven years. years. Ten years, and he's still okay. Eleven but, years ago, and like I said, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky doesn't come out before the Oilers games. He's a, you know, he's a part, he's a part owner of the Edmonton Oilers now. He doesn't skate out in the beginning of Edmonton Oilers games with a stick in his hand and take one last slap shot into the net. Okay, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So, I feel like it's a little bit of cheese. It's a little bit of cheese. And if I'm him, number four, I just go, hey man, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm happy to do an interview. Like MC, MC did, classy MC. Classy Jeremy came out, did an interview, you know, and Ricky, Ricky's got a ton of fans there, so no problem with all that, but, uh, all right, before we wrap it up, uh, MotoFest, Arena Cross, I didn't go. By the way, we had, a, the conversation really started drifting, and then it was a hilarious, we started just imagining the scenarios of these next players <laughs> right. coming in. Like, we have Kevin Kelly with us there, and I'm like, you think the Braves are going to bring John Smoltz in and be like. Kenny hit 90 on the jugs gun. Right. Can he do it? It's like, it's, like when, it's like when Hollywood has Randy Johnson if he still throws. 
<laughs> oh my god, I was in tears. <laughs> I was in tears. We're like, who? If Randy Johnson wants to still pitch, who's stepping in the batter's box? Twice? <laughs> who's like, catching him, Brian? Who's going to catch him? Who wants to put, put, put a bat in your hand, honey? I'm going to throw. It. I'm going to see if I can still hit a hundred. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm six ten. I'm going to come in on a lefty, and if you're a left-handed batter, it's going to look like it's coming right to your head. Yeah. And Holly was all bitter, right? Holly's like, I don't know what his problem was. <laughs> well, Holly, Jim Holly was saying, he's like, but I still ride. Why, is it that crazy that he would still pitch? Like, it doesn't equate, like, still no. riding. Gretzky and, with a slap shot and Carmichael doing lap. It's not the same, okay? okay? It's exactly the same. That's exactly the same. Jordan coming yeah, okay. out. Okay, hey, everybody, here's Dominic Wilkins. He's not quite in his uh, form anymore from 85. No. He, you know, no. We're going to put a trampoline in front of the hoop, and he's going to do one last windmill for you, Dunk. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't get that. So. Okay. All right. Moto, right. Motofest Arena Cross time. Uh, the road to Supercross uh, stopped for a lot of the guys. Um, talking about Geico. Carson Mumford, there's another guy. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, Geico. Now, now listen, I, we all know where you fall on this. You, you probably would be better off just not. We, we know you're not necessarily supportive of the road to Supercross because you think they're doing it to sell tickets. Look, can we just get that out of the way? I don't want you to go on another rant and get in more trouble, okay? Yeah. yeah. I, meanwhile, I've been fine with it. I, I actually think it's a good idea because my point is if they're doing it to make a rain across bigger, is that bad? Like, is to make that series bigger and maybe the riders make more money because it's bigger and more popular, I'm down. So that's my whole point. I don't care what the reason they're doing it. Either of the reasons is fine by me. If they're trying to make the riders safer, or if they're trying to make a rain across grow, I'm down. However, this was the first time I've been to an arena across. Do you see this program in action? It was bad. Like, it was sketchy. It was scary. Those dudes were at risk, and then they literally all ended up getting hurt. Like, literally every one of them. Now, yeah. I talked to people after, and I said, is it that bad at the other ones? And they're like, no. It's the, the fact that it was a real supercross track made it worse, and the whoops were worse. And even the fact that it ran across, you're going slower, and there's more tough blocks to land on. Mm -hmm. All these things added up. But at one point, you had Jordan Bailey and Mark uh, Max Markoff, you know, basically Husky and KTM's hopes of the future, literally laying on opposite sides of the whoops in pain at the same time. <laughs> and I'm like, this is bad. They both just wadded up, and everybody's like, well, KTM's other guy, Mitchell Falk, just broke his leg in practice. And I'm like, are you serious? Uh. And then five minutes later, they had the super mini race, and Carson Mumford overjumps the triple on his 150 and snaps his arm landing, landing the jump. Uh. <laughs> and I'm like, all four factory kids all just got busted up. Oh, uh, right? Jeez, dude. Yeah. And again, apparently, if you see them at a regular rain across, it's not this bad. This is like the fact that they're really on a supercross track took it next level, but it wasn't a good example. No, no, it was, yeah. Bad deal, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, the winner for the whole weekend was Max Markoff on his Instagram post. <laughs> Which is him and Mitchell Falk in the hospital, Falk with a broken leg, him with a sling on his arm. And it just says hashtag road to SA. <laughs> I love that photo. That was great. Uh, yeah, that was good. awesome. I, again, I, I just want to remind I am okay with this program. 
But seeing it in action, I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. Also, just go back to Supercross to the dudes who are struggling, pull them out, make them go to Arena Cross, make the Euros who never ride Supercross, Tonus, Ferrandis, all these other dudes, make them go to Arena Cross, okay? And, And then. And then maybe have some sort of exemption for an Austin Forkner or whoever who really doesn't need to go there. But you don't need to do the exemption. I'm okay with that. If you don't want to do it, that's fine. Make it for everyone or make it for no one. But the way they do it now, they select the dudes, and I think it's because they want to give the series publicity and they want to sell tickets and they want to do whatever. And Daniel Blair and I got into it on Twitter. But, um, you know, they're not – they don't – they're not doing it for safety purposes. They're not. Because if they did, they would send the Euros there. And if they did, they would pull that two-stroke guy out that's going to hurt himself soon. They would pull him out and say, go to Arena Cross, bro, and get these points, and you no problem to come back in. You know? I think there's two logistical issues here that they're fighting to, to do what you want to do. And I understand your point. I think they basically have said, if you're in, you're, if you're in already, you're grandfathered in. So this two-stroke guy that we see in practice every week, it's not pretty at all. But he apparently is 43 years old. I'm not even joking. Right? He's he, 43 he, years old. He said in 1999, he, he I, I gave him a pipe. Yes. <laughs> right. So what they don't have is a retroactive, like, if, if you were in Supercross practice at some point before this program began, and you're 43 years old, they don't pull you back. So I guess they would need to, to be fair, no. retroactively. Listen, they can now, they now. can bend any rules they want. There's lots of exceptions made all the time. If they want to say we are now going to police dudes and make them go to arena cross to get points, they can do that. Let's not be. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not say. What I. But I want to be clear about one thing they have not done. No one knew is getting in besides the Euro dudes, and I think there's a. But but no amateur in America is moving through the system any longer without those points. Nobody is. Nobody is sliding through. If you're a local privateer guy, you are not sliding through. Okay, whatever. That's no. fine. What about the Euros? What about the well, Euros? Here's the logistical problem with the Euros. We'll, we'll take Dylan Ferrandez as a future example, right? He has not raised Supercross in the U.S. He wasn't even signed with an American team until the rating cross was over. So... So who cares? The Make, only solution, so, I guess, is they got to move the races back to October. Exactly. And then solve the problem. Exactly. Or there was right. a couple of guys have had to do East Coast because on the West they chased the arena cross points. And yeah. if yeah, you George are, Smith had to. and if you are an amateur, okay, and you're, you're a privateer amateur, you don't ever ride with the team, and you're going to, you live in California, well, and you don't have a lot of money, too effing bad, you got to go to arena cross, and you miss the start of your series. Now you are no, forced to see, go. That's, that's, I, that, that part of the argument pisses me off. Why? Those people are not doing it properly. What they have said you're supposed to do as an amateur is you do this during your A year. You do this during your final full calendar year. You're not supposed to cram in the arena cross points two weeks before your Supercross season begins. You're supposed well, to basically ride arena cross in the spring, and then you race your Texas National, and then you race your Ponca, and then you race your Mammoths, and then you race Loretta's, and then you race Minio's. You're supposed to do it an entire year beforehand. People are getting that part wrong. Uh, and and if you get a problem with you live in California and you got to spend too much money to drive to Arena Cross, it's not close. You're trying to get eligible to race the highest level of dirt bike motorcycle racing in the world. Get over it. Get okay. over it. All right. That's all legit points. You're, you're trying that's, to race the highest all... level in the world, 
And by the way, the money these parents are spending at amateur rates, I don't hear anybody say, wait a minute, i got to drive all the way to Tennessee in August to make it in this sports race, the amateur national? That's ridiculous. They've been doing it for 35 years. It is what it is. So why all of a sudden three arena crossers that aren't local are destroying these families that have driven across the country hundreds of times for 15 years? Blows my mind. Yeah, okay. All right. I, I, those are all valid yeah. points, but put the series yeah. so that the Euros can do it in the fall. Make it. Don't make it a disadvantage um, for those guys. Yeah, it's only missing two things, right? You've got to get the, if you get the Euros in there and you retroactively pull out dudes that are grandfathered in. I'm fine with it. They can then, officially say everybody's yes. treated the same. Yes, then they can say everybody's and, treated the same, and we do yeah. care about these guys getting ready for Supercross. And if the real sinister goal is to just grow arena cross, well, whatever, man, Dylan Ferrandez racing two arena crosses in October, that's something. Tonus, I don't have a, yeah. like that'd be cool. I don't have a problem with that. Although, you know, there's been some instances of these guys getting their They're arena cool. cross points, getting, you know, threatened by Stank Dog and these dudes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's nasty. I learned a lot watching that arena cross. But much more. I've been to a lot of arena crosses. And I did the TV for a while. But when you see the way they race on the same exact track, yeah, it's it's almost a different sport. Yeah, uh, the way they approach. Yeah. It's an acquired I mean, I skill. Stank Dog. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it is. I watched Stank Dog battle. I think Faith and Faith was faster, but Stank Dog had already staked out. These are the three places he can pass me. And if I do X, Y, and Z in these sections, he cannot get around me. I will block you here. I will block you. Not dirty, but it was complete chess match. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen that at Supercross. I've seen – Yeah. We've seen Vince Freeze. We've seen what we're talking about with Barsha, but it wasn't that. It was a whole other level of just – Riding defensively, but not even dirty. Just yeah. it is what it is. Those guys, yeah. it's a whole different game. All right. Well, I think we've covered everything from Atlanta. Um, round eight. Good. Yeah. Um, and then uh, so Toronto this weekend. You're not going again. Can't believe it. Missing out on street meat. I'm. Uh, I'm starting to feel bad about this. I think I'm going to re re jiggle my schedule here. Uh, Toronto. I'm out. I got a GNCC opener. I got to go. But uh, I, I am still the TV guy for that. But uh, some other races. I like going to the races. I still do. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, I hope so, bro. I hope so because, uh, yeah, I need someone to talk to and bounce my theories off of. No one else listens to me anymore. Like, you're the only guy that listens to me when I get going and I have these thoughts. So The two guys up in the two – the two Muppet guys. Yeah, the, yeah, the, old, the yeah. old guys in the balcony. Exactly. I start getting worried because we have these conversations in the wide open press box, and we just start going after a while, like we're doing on the phone right now. And I forget, like, we're getting loud. Like, people are just overhearing stuff that we probably shouldn't be saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're bagging on guys or making fun of somebody or whatever. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and then you look over and you're like, oh, his agent was over there. Huh, how about yeah. that? Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, huh. Whoever. Right. Yeah. yeah no, I'm kind of with you. I'm with you on that. I'm the loudmouth. I'm the tubby loudmouth dude in the you know running around. So yeah, I get it. Um, all right. Well, again, thank you. Thank all you, right. Jason, Jason Thomas, who was on earlier. The Fly Racing uh, Racer X Podcast, Atlanta Review. Um, thanks, Weege. Talk to you later. All right. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. 
Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled piss and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Right,